Good morning, good evening, and good night, my terrible listeners. You're tuned in to Terrible Sex with Nassim. I'm producer Dan, and each week I have the honor of bringing you registered nurse, sex educator, polyamory enthusiast, and true woman of the people, Nassim. She tells us stories, answers our questions, and helps us feel more comfortable around our world's infinite variety of sexuality. If you've got a question for Nassim, call, write, or email her at terriblesexwithnaseem.com. Hello, Nassim. Hello. How are you this week? Uh, I'm good. I have not gone to bed yet. <laughs> I worked last night and I've just been hipping and hopping around. So All right. for- forgive me if I'm a little woo-woo today. So <laughs> I think Loopy Nassim is up there with some of my favorite Nassims. Oh, good. I'm glad there's more than one. It's going to be a good show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Awesome. How are you? How are you, Dan? You know what? I've had kind of a crazy week. Um, renovations at my house continue. Whilst installing a dishwasher this week, I poked myself in the eye with my own finger. And I've had to see two doctors this week because of it. But my eye is now feeling much better. Oh, that's good. Did you get eye drops? I drops and gels and all kinds of things to shove in my eye that are not my finger (laughs) ophthalmological solutions yeah it's been been a lot of fun for me this week but uh i can now sit in the light with my eye uncovered and that feels real nice to me oh did you get a patch uh i didn't but i probably could have used one i ended up just hilariously wearing kind of a floppy hat over half my head and covering my eye when i was hanging out with my family because it felt better i'm just imagining in my mind's eye you in like a big um like pirate hat like a swoop just going over the eye and there's an eye patch so there's like pirate dan running around in my head right now it works it really it like that's a look i can pull off excellent love to see it next time next week i i expect the full regalia (laughs) deal Okay. Hey, Dan. Hey, Nassim. Have you ever gotten an STD test? <laughs> <laughs> that's I, that's how we're starting this week. I I only laugh because I have, and it was kind of a hilarious story in itself. Well, I'm not the only one with stories, so please do tell. <laughs> it was... Shortly after I met my wife, mm-hmm. it was in uh, the Humboldt Park neighborhood. Shortly after, no, I, I think it was it was actually right before I met my wife. Um, I I went to Humboldt Park. Humboldt Park was a rougher neighborhood in Chicago. This was twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, and um, I went there. I needed to test. It took like a week to get the results. And so I came back a week later and I'm in the waiting room and a guy comes, sit, sits down and I clearly look like uh, I'm nervous because I've just had a whole week to think about all the poor decisions that I've made in my life and how it's clearly close to being over now. And the guy sits down and he goes, first test. And, uh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, I had my first test 18 years ago. Came back positive. 
and then he proceeded to tell me about his life with um uh yeah with aids and wow it was difficult for me to hear at the time because it's not what I wanted to think about and talk about with a total stranger. And when you're waiting for your own results. Right. In the Hubble Park STD clinic. Right. He was very imagine. kind to try to talk to me and make me feel better because his only experience with an STD test is it coming back uh, positive for, for HIV. So uh, I think he was doing his best to make me feel better and it didn't work at all. Oh, no. <laughs> but anytime, but he, anytime I think of an STD test, I, th- I think of that dude at the Humboldt Park Clinic. Uh, I did not test positive that time. And now I know I'm a smarter, older, wiser individual. Had I tested positive, my life would not have been over. It would just have been uh, slightly different. It would have been different. And I'm really glad that you said that. Um, that is something I kind of want to talk to you about today and our listeners um because i think std testing while very important is still kind of a taboo subject for a lot of people i think you're right Um, about that yeah and one of the things i actually really appreciate in your story and how you described your story and told it um is that you talked about whether or not you or this gentleman tested positive or negative because so often I hear people use the term oh I got I went and I got tested and I'm clean and I just want to just get rid of that word um because the only alternative there is dirty exactly exactly so just because someone tests I just want to put this out there at the beginning of this episode um no matter what happens, whether you test positive for HIV, syphilis, gonorrhea, herpes, no matter what it is, that is not, in my personal opinion, that is not a moral judgment on who you are as a person. Totally. And it is, it does not make you dirty because you tested positive. All it means is that you have a medical condition that you now have to manage. Um, It means you have to go to the doctor, get some antibiotics or get treatment of some kind. And maybe it'll only last a couple of weeks. Maybe it'll last the rest of your life. I can't say. Um, But that doesn't mean that you're a bad person and it doesn't mean that you're dirty. So for those of us who test negative, we really need to be careful about our word choice. Um, and not using the word clean when we talk or dirty when we talk about STD and STI testing. Um, That is something I just really wanted to get out there bright and early um, this episode. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, Which is something that I think that we don't even think about as a culture, about how we describe our status, if people are going to talk about their status at all. which I think is a shame. I think we need to talk more about, if, especially if you're engaging in good faith with a new person, um, talking about your status is vital <laughs> um, to having a cool, free, fun time. Uh, and, and safety matters, um, if not for yourself, at least for others. And then it gives somebody uh, consent. It, it, all, it, all, it all of this leaks 
leads back to consent and communication. So if I go into a, a relationship or an encounter with someone and I don't disclose my infor- my um, my status, that is not giving the other person informed consent. And as a healthcare professional, it's in my training that I can't do anything for a patient unless they have informed consent about whatever procedure or um, treatment I or the treatment team is going to provide. I can't give them that treatment without their informed consent. It's not just about yes or no. It's about having the information to make an educated decision on yes or no. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes absolute sense. Okay. Great. Great. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Unless it's a COVID vaccine, because clearly that's got microchips in it too, that we don't tell people about when we inject them, right? It is so funny you bring up COVID because I have (laughs) thought, seriously, I have thought so much about the parallels between COVID and STD and STI testing and status. Um, Because People talk about whether or not they're positive all the time. Right, right. You know, did you get tested? Did you get your vaccine? Did you get swabbed? It's the same <laughs> conversation. It, it really, really is. And it's, uh, I think it's given me the opportunity to get much better at having awkward conversations with people that uh, I'm involved with. And even if mm-hmm. all the involvement is we're going to your house to have uh, pizza and play games. We all have to talk about where we've been, who we've been with, and give everyone the opportunity to make an informed uh, and consensual decision. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that it's the perfect analogy for, uh, I think COVID is a perfect analogy for STDs, and I think the same is true the other way around. Well, let's hope that uh, these conversations roll into people's sex lives and this is one positive that we can take from this several years of weird pandemic. So, you know, did you, do you realize that we're in year three? Yeah, we're just coming into year three. That's we're bonkers. coming into, it's stupid is yeah. what it is. But um, it was only going to be two weeks. It was only going to be, t- <laughs> Dan, it never really happened. Uh I can't. I I can't. <laughs> um, but back to back to diseases. Um, so STD and STI testing. Uh, some of you may not be familiar with the term STI. So it's sexually transmitted infection, um, as opposed to a sexually transmitted disease. Uh, disease is more a long-term chronic condition, whereas an infection is something that can be treated relatively quickly, something like gonorrhea, if uh, you were to actually... Gonorrhea can become very severe and can kill you if not treated, of course, but if um, you take swift action, it's a pretty simple, you know, couple couple antibiotics and you're good to go. Um, Yeah, so... That's in case anybody didn't know. That's the difference between STI and STD. Um, can something be both? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Something can definitely be both. Sure, um, but it has mostly to do with whether it's an acute infection that can be easily treated versus something that's not. Good to know. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, also, uh, I have to tell you, I've been uh, STD testing is something that 
I have um, been very, I don't want to say passionate about because it's not like I've had much, I haven't had much of a platform until now uh, to <laughs> really talk got, about it. You've got a worldwide platform now, Nassim. Oh, oh baby. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was an undergrad for my first degree, not for nursing, I was part of an organization called the Women's Resource Center um, at Kalamazoo College. And Every month or every quarter, we were on quarters, not semesters, um, the different organizations on campus had to do some sort of um, activity or summit or something for the college community that was beneficial in some way. Um, And I spearheaded this uh, HIV summit I got the Women's Resource Center, the Black Student Organization, um, the Gay-Straight Alliance, known as Kaleidoscope, together to all talk about the importance of HIV testing, worked with um, a person at the local testing center in Kalamazoo, and we basically had free testing for the entire campus. And it was a really powerful thing to witness because you have people in their early 20s who are living on their own or mostly their own for probably the first time in their lives, engaging in sexual behavior for probably the first time in their lives um, on a very close-knit campus. Kalamazoo College only had like 1,300 students. Right. So everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows your business, who's dating who, who banged who at what party. Um, So keeping it confidential was very tricky. Um, but it was really interesting to see, um, because I was also a register registrar. So I saw everybody who came in. Okay. Um, and it was so interesting to have those conversations with my fellow students about their fears, their experience and, uh, the, and having them go in. And I wouldn't see them. That was one of the things that we did was once they left the testing site, they went through another exit. So that way they didn't have to interact with anybody who was waiting in line Okay. um, for security reasons. That was really important to me. Sure. Um, So because, you know, as much as we want to talk about STD testing, getting a result because it was instant result. It was a cheek swab. um, So it was very... Uh, we 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 didn't want put people put pressure on people. Sure. Um, to you know face possibly the worst news that they could perceive and then see their classmate or their roommate or their potential partner that they had just you know hooked up with. Right. Um, all of this to say, uh, it's so important for people to be educated on getting tested and also on the there's there's no shame in it i think a lot of people don't get tested because they have some feeling of shame right about because it's a reflection of their past behaviors or maybe they did make a mistake maybe like i will tell you shortly of a of an experience that i had where maybe you didn't use a condom when you should have and now you're freaking out and there's some shame attached to the decisions that you've made or didn't make and having to look at the mirror of yourself 
while you wait for those test results or, or think about getting those test results. Right. Um, so go get tested. It's fine. <laughs> no matter what happens, you're going to be fine. It is. You know what? Even yes. if you have to go to the Humboldt park clinic, I don't even know if it's still there anymore, but go get tested. It's not, go get tested. it's not hard. It's not problematic. It's probably free somewhere by where you are. It's worth Absolutely. your time. I will put, I will um, link in the show notes, yep. local areas in Chicago um, where you can get tested um, and uh, different locations. I'll do some, I'll do some searching and I'll put that up. Great. Um, when I was doing that summit at my college, I was the first person to get tested. Okay. Because every, there were people who were scared and my, the women that were in the group with me were like, we need someone to be kind of the spokesperson and say, this is okay. Like it's safe. It's going to be fine. You're going to be, um, it'll be clandestine if you will. Yeah. So I was the first person to get tested. Now, mind you at that time, I was still a virgin and I still felt nervous. <laughs> I remember going there and doing the intake with the person from the testing center and she's asking me these questions about my risk factors and she's asking me about um, like uh, penis and vaginal intercourse and I'm like nope and she's like what about oral sex I'm like nope (laughs) (laughs) and just like going down the list she's like do you use recreational drugs nope (laughs) But, but I sat on a public toilet once but I say, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> also, for 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 all of our terrible listeners, that's 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 not a high risk factor. Go ahead and that's keep not, sitting on public toilets. That's not problematic. That's not problematic. You would have to. Here's an I. Here's a little anecdotal piece of data. In so HIV is not transmitted through saliva. Okay, it is only through blood and semen and vaginal fluid. Okay, you can. I mean, there was this. There was a lot of um, dispute in like the eighties, like in the beginning of uh, a, like the AIDS epidemic, totally. about transmissing. Uh, a tra- transmissing is that the right word? Nope. Um, nope. Tra- that's uh, transmitting. That's the yeah. one. I have a degree, two of them, um, and uh, about transmitting HIV uh, via saliva. Like people were afraid to kiss, people were afraid to like touch. Um, there was some activist I can't remember her name right now, but she was on a public platform, and they were at some rally, and her HIV positive friend took a bite of a cookie, and she took the cookie from him, and took an took another bite and it blew everybody's mind because oh my gosh she shared a cookie with this hiv positive person um you can't get it that way and how you would have to drink not transmissible through cookies no you would have to drink like a gallon of spit (laughs) in one sitting if you have like really hard to do really really hard hard to do. do really unpleasant um oh, can and you imagine I don't how, even... it's just too viscous that's just a whole gallon of that would be uncomfortable ever swallowed come before dan 
You want to talk not, about viscous? Not, not a gallon. <laughs> not a gallon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't. No, thank you. Um, this is all common knowledge now, I think, but I think it bears repeating at the same time. Um, anyway, I lost my train of thought. You had a story. I do have a story. It's not a great story. Um, I mean, it is a terrible great story. Fact. It's it's a terrible story. Yes. Um, just a trigger warning for any listeners out there. Uh, this story does include some consent violation. So if that's something you don't want to listen to, you might want to skip. Um, so with that being said, uh, when I first started my polyamory journey, um, I was making all kinds of mistakes <laughs> um, and meeting all different sorts of people. I was, my husband and I had um, a very strict rule um, at the time of if you're going to have sex with anyone, you have to use protection. Da 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 da. Um, and we adhered to it. Um, and I had had, I think, two sexual encounters with two separate partners. Everything was hunky dory. And then I met, I'm not going to call him a gentleman, but I met this guy. Um, and we had been talking for a number of weeks. And I decided that I was going to go drive almost three hours and meet him at his apartment for an overnight visit. Because first, first that's meeting. first meeting, first meeting, All right. because first and only meeting, um, because that's the sort of thing that I did in my frenzy. Yeah, we're learning. We're learning things. We're learning things. You have to remember that I'm a person who I'm a late bloomer. Okay. I did not lose my virginity until I was in my 20s. I didn't really have any boyfriends until I met my husband. Um, husband and I have been together for eight years. Very, like, not a lot happening with me. So when we opened up our marriage, I was like, okay, now's the time to be stupid. No, no, Nassim, not the time. But we're learning. So, and that's what this is. This is all a journey. There are no mistakes, just different decisions that could have been made. (laughs) So, (laughs) I think that's a a wonderful way to put that. That's one way of putting it. So, oh, Dan, you're learning so much about me. So, (laughs) we we all are. We all are really putting it out there. So anyway, I go meet this guy and everything's fine. Everything's okay. We're enjoying each other's company as, as one does. And we decide that, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. And so we're in his bed. By this, you clearly mean hold hands. By I mean I'm being so I'm being so demure today. <laughs> we decided to have sex. Classic and PIV. Classic 
Classic. Yes. So, well, that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, classic missionary position because we're boring. At least I am sometimes. And I, there's nothing wrong with missionary. We'll Whoa. have a whole other episode. We'll have a whole other episode about positions and missionaries. Actually, like one of the best. But anyway, um, I, I was on my back, and he's on top of me, and I'm like, "Hey, bud." uh gonna put a condom on and he's like oh i don't have any i'm like oh well you knew i was coming over and he said yeah but you didn't bring any either and i'm like no because i was coming to your house i assumed you had them so there were no condoms on site and so i said thinking that i'm being you know a smart person (laughs) i said well, no, you, then we can't do this. We can't. You, we're, we're not going to do that. Because in my mind, all I was thinking about, I wasn't thinking about STDs or STIs. I was thinking pregnancy because to me, that's like the worst thing that can happen to me. <laughs> so uh, he, so I'm thinking, no, you, you, we can't do that. So he says, okay, fine, but can I put it in your ass? And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so, and I had never had anal before. It's a classic or workaround. Classic workaround. I think that was actually something that they did in like the 50s where, well, put it in her butt because she won't get pregnant. Like, I think that was actually a thing. Uh, don't quote me on that. But I think I heard that from some boomers in my life (laughs) but any case not gonna ask um, my mom you really should (laughs) put her on the podcast (laughs) call her up call her up love to hear i bet she has some stories god bless her that i i don't want to know you can call her i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna take that trigger warning and tune out for the rest of that episode (laughs) that's fair that's fair at least you never had at least you never had to explain to your mother what an orgasm was. No, I haven't. Um, and- <laughs> I have. <laughs> so, not your mother, my mother. You might want to try with my mom too, but my mom, oh. I hope that she has had and still has a wonderful and fulfilling sex life. And it, I have the right to just not know about it. And that's okay. I that's wish, okay. I wish her the best of everything, but some stuff I don't want to talk to my mom about. <laughs> She had she had enough awkward conversations at me about sex when I was much younger, and I'm cool to move on from that. That should be an op- an episode. Are the awkward conver- like the birds and the bees episodes with your parents yes, or your guardians? I've, I've got a good one. Okay, great. Can't <laughs> can't wait. Write that one down. My dad was my dad was and is an amazing father, whom I love tremendously. I'm sure. And if there's one single point of failure that I could point at. It was the birds and the bees conversation. <laughs> it was so bad. I didn't get one, so you're doing much better. <laughs> That's probably why I'm the way I am, is because I never had the sex talk. <laughs> I had to figure it out on my own. <laughs> Take some time. So, speaking of figuring it out on your own, back to this yes. classic workaround. Back to the classic workaround. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> uh, the classic workaround. Um, I um, was like, yeah, okay, fine. Never done this before. Don't know what I'm doing. Um, 
And so he flipped me over and he made some attempts. No lube, by the way. Um, and I was not a fan that first time. One, because I didn't know what was happening. And I was really uncomfortable with the fact that I had like kind of given up my agency sure. in that moment. And also, uh, we weren't using a condom. <laughs> um, now, he did not finish. I did not let him inside. And uh, so we go home. If we finish up, I leave later the next day or something. And I drive the three hours home in utter just disgust with myself. And I remember sitting on the porch with my husband the next day. And he's asking me about how my date went. And we have an agreement that whatever he asks, I tell him. I tell him whatever he wants to know. I don't tell him anything he doesn't. And he asked me, well, did you have sex? And I said, well, define sex. Like, what do you mean? And he probed further. And I told him about the anal sex. And he said, you use a condom, right? And I said, well. (laughs) And then he said, Nassim, it's not just about getting pregnant, you know. And I looked at him, and then the light bulb went off in my head. Like, oh, right. Fuck. (laughs) Like, what is wrong with me? And I remember sitting on my front porch and just sobbing. So you had a three-hour drive home, feeling gross, but still that never crossed your mind? (laughs) (laughs) No. No. And then... Poor, and so poor young I, Nassim. Poor young Nassim. <laughs> it was all of a year ago. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that I had made such an error in judgment. Because I always told myself I'd never be that kind of person who, like, wouldn't think rationally in the moment. People, what do you mean people don't, like, think rationally in the moment? People don't think rationally in the moment. I didn't. Um, And it (laughs) it took my angel of a husband who I – I'm surprised he didn't like walk out on me right then and there. (laughs) He he said, all right, all right, uh, we're going to get you tested. And uh, we don't have sex until you get figured out. And I'm like, okay, okay, (laughs) that's fair. Sorry, I suck. He's like, you don't suck. You just made a mistake. And we're going to, he's like, I'm not going to say anything to you that you're not already thinking yourself you already feel bad enough. I'm not going to make you feel worse. I'm like, thanks, bud. So, because he's the goat. He's the best. He sounds, he sounds like a guy I'd like to know. Uh, he is a guy you'd like to know. He's a great guy. Um, anyway, uh, he, um, so I had to call up my 
PCP, my private primary care provider, who is a very devout Mormon. <laughs> and I sent, cause we, I have a text communication with my, um, with my doctor, yeah. with my doctor's office. Uh, I don't know if everybody has that, but I think it's pretty like normal now where you can just like, yeah, go a, lot the of, app a lot of, a lot of systems have the app. And, yeah. Right. So I just sent a text message to him through the app and I'm like, Hey, don't want to talk about it, but I've been making some poor life choices. Uh, my husband knows about it. I need an STD test. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'll send the lab work over. It was very um, painless, surprisingly painless. It actually took me a couple of days to make to reach out to my doctor because I was having so much anxiety and fear and shame, not about getting tested. Getting tested wasn't the part that scared me. It was the shame of my actions. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I don't even think the results, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think the outcome is as impactful as how we perceive ourselves in our past choices of what does this say about who I am as a person? What does this say about um, my relationship? And does my partner, my, you know, my husband, is he going to reject me now? Um, Am I worth love? Am I worth Am I worthy of having a good time because I obviously can't be responsible with my body? Like, those are the sorts of things that were running through my head. Right. Um, and I'm sure that that's true for a lot of people. And that's why they steer away from taking the next step, which is to be responsible and get tested. Because, okay, yeah, you may have taken a left turn and gone in the wrong direction or maybe the not best choice for you in one moment, but you can, you can write the ship. It is possible. And even if your results don't come back in a desirable outcome, it's not because you deserved it. If that makes sense, you don't, because you made a choice that does not mean you deserve the outcome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was something that I had to learn. Um, now, I was still, even though I felt a lot of anxiety, all things considered, I was still pretty low risk. Um, because it was a very short period of time. There was no ejaculate. Um, so that is relatively... Um, a lower risk, a lower risk scenario than say, if it was vaginal intercourse, if he had ejaculated inside of me, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Still a risk. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, like everything came back negative, which I was very grateful for. I was able to continue a relationship with my husband Um, and, uh, you know, continue on this path of polyamory. And I have since, learned a lot <laughs> um, and vet all of my partners pretty strongly 
going forward. This guy was not someone that uh, I probably should have had any kind of sex with at all in general, especially because prior to engaging, he had already he had told me that he had had sex with like 350 women in the last year. I'm I'm sure that number ran through your head a lot while you were waiting for your results. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, "What is wrong with you, woman? Like, why did you? Why?" And body count, body count. You know, that's what they the kids say these days. Um, the number of people you have sex with doesn't matter. Like the num your your the number of partners you have does not again not a value judgment on who you are as a person, but. When you're hearing that number and that amount of time, and then you like, oh, I, if he didn't use a condom with me, who else did he not use a condom with? Right. If I can, if he didn't I can only treat you in a way that you liked. He probably didn't treat a lot of people in a way that you would have liked. Right, and then I, um, it I can I can only control. You can only control yourself, and. You can't control what another person is going to do with their body or the bodies of others or what those people do with their bodies. So you really, you, me, we all have to really take agency over ourselves because the only person who's going to protect us is us. So that's the message of the day. (laughs) Learn from my mistakes. Not mistakes. Learn from my life choices. Right. That's really what this is about. You've had experiences and you're passing some wisdom on. I like that. Trying to. You're doing a great job at it. Oh, thanks. So that's, that's my STI story. There's some debate as to how often you should get tested. Um, I think some people say that it should be every, after every partner. I think that's a little maybe pushing it um but general conven- conventional um advice is like once every six months generally uh if you if you have more frequent if you have more frequent partners maybe once every three months uh but that's generally three to six months um for regular testing sure. unless you have an exposure event where you know that you were exposed or you find out oh man Oh, I didn't tell you the best part of the story. Oh, man. Wait, well, shit, what's the best part? The best part of the story is that he called me like a week later and told me that the last girl that he uh, slept with had chlamydia. Wait, and you still <laughs> tested negative. And I still tested negative. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Dodged. I mean... I don't want to say it's just chlamydia, but it's just chlamydia. It would have been fine. It would, it would have been fine, but it, but it still would have been. Uh, and did you get that news been... before you got your test results? Yeah. Oh, that would have sucked. It did suck. <laughs> <laughs> it did suck. I couldn't look my husband in the eye. I was like moping around the house. I didn't want to go anywhere or do anything. It was it was a dark time because. I'm also the type of person who blames myself for everything. Um, I'm giving advice to people that I don't take myself. I should put that out there too. But that's kind of, that's kind of the best kind of advice because it's advice that you hadn't taken and now you have experience with the results. Right. That's, that's good advice. 
if I like the way you're yeah, thinking. I mean, like <laughs> take, taking sex advice from a priest always seems like real strange to me for someone that's not allowed to experience that kind of uh, relationship. And now they feel qualified to dole out lots of advice on it. I think you are quite the opposite. Well, thanks, Dan. I'm working on it. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is you're, plenty, you're, you're real far away from a Catholic priest, Nassim. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you are right there. Uh, you, you're on to something. So. Um, but that's that's my story. That's my thought on STI for the most part. I'm sure I'll think of something at a later date, but... Um, just it was great. something to think, something to think about kids. I love it. I love it. Thank you for your wisdom to and for passing it along. Oh, oh you're welcome. <laughs> Speaking of wisdom, we got a few questions for you. Lay it on me. All right. Hi, Nassim. Is being afraid of the idea of sex normal? I'm probably overthinking this, but I was asked if I wanted to. I've never had sex before and I'm kind of nervous about the idea of it. I kind of want to, but I feel like my heart is beating out of my chest every time I think about it. Ooh, I have so many follow-up questions. Right? I want to know they did not what leave, are you afraid of? Yeah, they did not leave a number. You can't give oh, a call. Oh, man, you're killing me. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. so that's okay. It's okay. I'll try to do my best with the information that's presented. I think it is normal. If you haven't had sex before... Dan, were you afraid of sex or like, were you nervous about it when, before you had it for the first time? No, but I was, um, before, I, I don't think I had sex till I was 21. Not, not straight up traditional classic BIV sex. Okay. So I was, I was ready. I was with someone I was in a relationship with and I was. Had, had it happened when I was 15, 16, 17, totally, I would have been nervous. Okay. But at 21, you were ready. Oh, totally. You were like, get this over totally. with. <laughs> okay. Totally. Um, I think there's a couple different perspectives to have. I think there's that one that you were describing is pretty common, too. Sure. Especially for late bloomers like you and I, where it's like, all right, let's just do this already <laughs> like i've heard so much about it american pie has been out for so many years like let's just do this thing um but i was uh still nervous even though i wanted to get it over with and i think that nervousness and fear is very normal um because like any new experience you don't know if you're gonna like it you don't know if you're going to have a good if you're going to have a good experience if it's going to be safe if you're going to be any good at it which spoiler alert your first time you're not going to be nope that's just facts and that's okay you're not going to be good it's fine it's normal it's good for you not to be good at sex the first right. time right you ever try to make a you pizza no you didn't do a good job the first time it took a lot of tries before you can make a good pizza and if you're great at sex the first time you have Nowhere to grow. There's no improvement. Well, if you're great at sex the first time, you've just been lied to. Also true. <laughs> if you're great at sex the first time, your partner has also never had sex before. <laughs> so that, those are just facts. Um, so 
it is uncharted territory. It is normal. I would just ask, what are the things that scare you? Is it the fear of your own body? Is it the fear of your own pleasure, which is a thing? Absolutely. People are definitely can have fear and anxiety about experiencing pleasure like that when they've never experienced it before. Um, Because a lot of people don't even know if they've had an orgasm. They don't know what that feels like. Um, Are you afraid that you're not going to be good at it? Are you afraid of of having a partner? Um, Are you afraid for your safety? That was always my big one, was am I going to be safe? Uh, And I think for... I don't want to generalize, but I think that's probably pretty true for women. I can see that. Is yeah. am I going to be safe? Um, so no, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. I think that's totally normal. I just think examine your fears, figure out what they are, why you have them, and is it a big enough hurdle for you to be able to overcome? Can you be like, you know what? this scares me, this makes me nervous, but it's something I want to conquer. Or, you know what, this is really scary to me, I need to put the brakes on it. And if you need to put the brakes on it, you need to put the brakes on it. Never do anything you don't want to do. Yes. I I think that's the perfect way to finish that answer. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying no for a while. For as long as you need mm-hmm. to, for as long as you want to. If you're still afraid of sex at 50 years old, that's okay. It is okay. Mm-hmm. And if your partner is pressuring you, they might not be the Get a new yeah, they might not be the right partner for now or forever. And for those of you who don't know, there are people out there, ace individuals or asexual individuals who never want to have sex. That's not on their that's not in their wheelhouse. It's not on their radar. Sex is not of an interest. They don't want it at all. They'll have romantic relationships, but sex is not part of it. And that is okay. Good for you. I couldn't live like that. But if that's something that is important to you or that's how you perceive the world, that's normal too. That's okay. It is. And there's still the right person out there for you. If what you want is a romantic relationship without a sexual component. There are people that want that too. Absolutely. You're not alone. Absolutely. All right. Next question. Dear Nassim, how do people just stumble upon surprise threesomes group play scenarios? I just find it hard to believe those encounters happen so casually. I wonder if it's all based on who your friend group is, type of places you visit, and how open-minded people are who also visit there. I am trying so hard not to laugh (laughs) Um, because I've had two threesomes in my life and I used to think that they were fictional. (laughs) People don't really do that, right? Um, But they do. Nassim does. Well, I've had. I don't know if I'll have (laughs) any more in the future. Uh but I'll tell you about how I had an accidental threesome. You just stumble into it? Kind of. It turned into like, I'm depressed. I need a cuddle party. <laughs> I need to have a cuddle puddle with my husband and my best friend. And it just escalated. Was that your first Sometimes one or your second all, one? That was my s- 
second okay. one. Yeah, it was my second one. The first one was planned. Um, but the second one was definitely on accident. Um, it was fun, but it was like, what the fuck was that? Well, it's not um, a crazy stretch to be with, no, I mean, to be t- with your husband that you're in a polyamorous relationship with and to have a yes. trusted friend that who is also polyamorous, who's also polyamorous that like this can like be stumbled into when you're in a situation like that. You didn't walk sure. into a video store and just meet a couple strangers that somehow that turned into a threesome that day. Exactly. I don't think that threesomes generally happen inorganically. Um, unless it's, you know, planned. We're like, okay, we're going to find a person. Like, you know, they talk about... Um, You've heard of unicorn hunting? Have you yes. heard this phrase? Yes. Okay, for like a couple or uh, where one or both members of the uh, couple is bisexual and they are looking for a bisexual or um, a third person, doesn't have to be bisexual, a third person to join their couple in a three-way. It's in that in that scenario... It can be planned, um, but everybody has to be sort of looking for it, right? Now, in my scenario, and I think what is more closely maybe related to what the um, listener's question is, is I think the more successful ones do happen more organically where you are like-minded, you are in a friend group, you have similar values, you have similar interests. And things just sort of happen. Um, I'm not an expert on threesomes. I've only had two, um, which I guess is two more than a lot of people. <laughs> but um, I think if, if it's something that you want, I do think, again, communicating with your partner, assuming you have one, um, is important. So that way, Maybe you can go looking for a third if that's something you're interested. Maybe you have somebody in mind who might be interested. Um, you kind of just have to talk it out. Now, how do you bring up, oh, honey, I'd really um, like to inv- invite Dave over Thursday night. <laughs> I don't think, I think, I think you want to play. Yeah, you want to creep up to that line of calling up on Dave. Like, I think usually yeah, you start with, like, hey, we've been dating for a while. What are you into? What are your fantasies? What are your ideas? That's a good place exactly. to start. Exactly. A great place to start. Um, and even early on in a relationship, asking those questions. Totally. I think that, Absolutely. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in a relationship and it's something that you're interested in, there are plenty of couples who are interested in it. Too. Maybe you're the unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're the unicorn and you have to go hunting for a couple. Put yourself out in the there field are... with a big sign. <laughs> unicorn <laughs> right. right here. There's, there's, uh, there are apps. There's the internet is a, is the wild west of sexual exploits. You, there's lots of places you can find people to consensually hook up with. That's not, in a creepy way. I mean, it's all kind of creepy, but there's, <laughs> there's, there's avenues for which you can do that. If that is something that interests you, 
And you know what? There is nothing wrong with, you know, maybe you want to hook up with your friends. Do you have a hot friend? Talk to them. <laughs> you know? Anything's possible. Um, no, but I do, I, but seriously, I do think a lot of it does have to do with your friend group. It does have to do with the people that you're around. Um, and they don't, not everybody has them. I don't think they're as common as popular media would like you to imagine, but I think they're becoming more popular or more, people are talking about them more anyway. Um, so... That's my non-answer to your question. Sorry. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> as, as a total threesome, inexperienced individual, uh, I mean, I think communication continues to just be key, right? Like, I mean, that's the through if, line of the show. Right, if you're into threesomes, be around people that are into threesomes and talk about it on occasion. If you're into threesomes and yep. you're not around people that are into threesomes, go find some people that are into threesomes. And before you get yourself in any kind of sexual situation, it's best to discuss consent in what you want and what you don't want. Hundred percent. Percent. Dan, the Dan, you've got it. I got it. You don't need me. This podcast is yours. I got, I got threesomes uh, figured out. <laughs> you got them figured out. You've got them figured out. And you know, and if you don't. I didn't think I'd want one for the longest time. I was like, I'm going to be the girl crying in the bathroom because <laughs> I'm not going to get the attention I want. Untrue. All right. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I cried in the bedroom. I cried in the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, that also did happen, but it wasn't a bad thing. All right. Hey, Nassim. I'm currently a senior in college, and I've always hated the idea of having a one-night stand. My girlfriend, however, has had five. She's told me that sex with me is the best because she's comfortable, but I can't keep thinking about why casual sex is so appealing. But I can't keep... That's how, it, that's how it's written. But I can't keep thinking about why casual sex is so appealing. Is casual sex really worse than relationship sex? And am I missing out on life by not having wanted casual sex in the past? Okay. Let me try and dissect this question a little bit. So this person is in a relationship with someone who has had casual sex in the past, but this person has not and doesn't know why casual sex would be appealing that, and if they're missing out for not having had That all it. sounds correct to me. Okay. I just hope that you're not judging your partner for having had casual sex. One, if you're doing that, that sucks. And don't do that. That's gross. Um, two, everybody's different. Um, casual sex can be very exciting. It can be a lot of fun. It can be scary. It can be bad, like really bad because you don't know the person and they don't know your body and it's awkward because all sex is awkward usually the first time. I mean, we've talked about this. It's weird. Um, so it really depends on the person. Uh, casual sex can be appealing for a lot of reasons. It can also be unappealing for a lot of reasons. Um, I have had my fair share of casual sex and have I always loved it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, clear, I mean, you've heard some stories already. 
Um, and, and that's okay. I think that, I don't think you're missing out necessarily because if having sex with a committed partner, someone that you know is important to you and you feel fulfilled by that, why worry about what you may or may miss be missing out on? Yeah. We're, because you have, you have what you want, you have what you have now, and that's what matters. Because your relationship ultimately, ultimately is about more than the sex, right? Usually. Right. So if you feel like you're missing out on something because you didn't have casual sex, then maybe you need to think a little bit about your relationship and what it really means to you. Um, but I, 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 but, but people go for casual sex and, you know, impromptu encounters because of lots of reasons. It, like I said, it can be very fun. It can be very liberating for people, especially people who've been sexually repressed or if they have any kind of like religious trauma, um, having those kinds of encounters can be very freeing and it can give people a sense of agency that they may not have previously had. Um, especially for women. I know a lot of women feel empowered by having myself included by having casual sex and having multiple partners because it's been a, it's been a boys club right forever. You know, guys can go and get theirs, but if a girl sleeps around, you know, she's a slut um but now i think we're taking that back and kind of owning that um that liberation and that that female empowerment and that sexual sexual promiscuity is not necessarily a bad thing it's just a, a way people choose to live their lives and express themselves sexually um but that's a tangent on its <laughs> own um uh yeah i and, and- I and go ahead. There's a wide variety in um, what people want and what people don't want. If it's not appealing to you, then you're not missing out, man. Exactly. And if it is appealing to you, then you know there's room for negotiation in your relationship if that's what you want to try. But if you don't feel like you're missing out, don't ask me if I think you're missing out. You didn't ask me. You asked Nassim. But still, how's Nassim going to know what and you need, what you want? It's not my place to say. And just like I said I last week, there is no normal. There is no normal. Do what feels good for you. Do what feels right for you, for your relationship. If you're unhappy, change it. That's That's the podcast, man. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it, Nassim. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Dan. It's been great with you. We'll be in touch this week. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Absolutely. Nassim wants all her terrible listeners to know that although she is a medical professional, she is not your medical professional. This podcast is not medical advice. If you want medical advice, please seek out your very own healthcare provider. Terrible Sex with Nassim is part of the Terrible Podcast Network.